Take your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Acts together. Acts chapter 4. Luke says something and addresses Jesus in a way that probably no other author does. And it, it almost seems inappropriate at this point in the Bible, but of course it is not. And we want to pick up the reading in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 10 today for our our Sunday morning message. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 10, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What a wonderful verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of him, of them, that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth no more, henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, or nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth 
thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. You know, at this point in time, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. He's already died and had been buried and rose from the dead and ascended up to heaven as we're reading Acts chapter 4. And we find that the prayer that is made to God the Father when the early church and when the apostles are asking God for help through all the threatening that's being done unto them, they are praying to God the Father and they address God concerning Christ Jesus the Lord in a different way. The Bible says in verse 27, as they're praying, they say, for, they're praying this to God the Father. They say, for of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. They repeat that again in verse number 30 as they ask God the Father for help for them. And they say that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. What a way to address God the Father about the Lord Jesus Christ. When he's a grown man sitting up on the right hand of God and making intercession. But the apostles, the disciples, God's people calling out to the Father and asking on behalf of God's holy child. Don't you find that a little bit different? Now we all know, you know, as as old as my kids get, they're always going to be my children. Isn't that true? Though the relationship might be different from the time that we're holding them in our arms as they grow up, they're still our children. They're still our child. They may look at us and say, I'm not a child anymore, but they're always our child. And that's true about Jesus. He was seated at the right hand of the Father in all of His glory, full grown, and they're praying to the Father on behalf and interceding in the name of that holy child, that's, that's a different description. Only Luke, really, also in Luke's gospel, he talks about the child Jesus, the child. That, that struck my attention as we are thinking about Christ and so many things about him being born in that manger. And yet, this description of the holy child Jesus is as he is at the right hand of the Father, full grown. What is that saying to our hearts this morning? Well, he's always God's holy child. He's always God the Father's holy child. But I see three things this morning. The first thing I see is in the little phrase that's mentioned in in both verse 27 and 30. Against thy holy child. The first thing I think it conveys, that this phrase about our Savior, it conveys his innocence. His innocence. I won't do it tonight because I don't want to disturb the little baby back there, that little newborn. But if we brought that newborn and you look in that face of that newborn child, you've never seen anything so innocent, have you? That God would reference the Lord Jesus. You know what the truth is about the Lord Jesus? He is just as innocent today as when Mary held him in her arms. He is just as pure. You know, no newborn baby has any 
any ulterior motives. A newborn baby ought to bring joy to our hearts and lives, and it does, even as the Sullivans and anyone else that we have ladies in our church that, that are in the family way and are expecting, and what joy and what preciousness. When you think of a, a little child, you think of something precious. And here as they're praying in the name, still the same, in the name of that precious one. He's just as precious, full grown. He is just as innocent and without guile and without ulterior motives, full grown as he was in the cradle. You know, you can't say that about us. Matter of fact, I don't, I would say a lot of things about Brother Todd and Miss Emily's baby, I'd first say, I'm glad it looks like Emily. <laughs> of course, I really, I, I say, you say that tongue-in-cheek, I don't think little babies look like anybody. <laughs> that remains to be seen. But we could bring that little baby up here this morning. You know what I can't say about that baby? As sweet as she is, I can't say that she's a holy child. I can say she's sweet. I can say she's, she's innocent. I can say she's cute. I can say she's precious. I can say all types of adjectives, but I can't accurately say that that's a holy child. Because you know what's true about that child? It's true about you this morning, full grown. You and I aren't holy, we're sinners. You say, well, what, what sin is that baby? That baby has a sinful nature. And I, I trust that the Lord, if he tears his coming, will help that family raise that, that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that child will come to know Christ as its Savior at an early age and give its heart and life and live for God. But what's going to be true about that child? You'll, you'll not be able to say that from a child that is a holy child because that child has a sin nature. That child is born in sin. The Bible says, as soon as they be born, they speak lies. Thank God for our children, but they're not holy children. But when you look to Jesus Christ, that little babe in that manger, that little babe that day, and to this very day, is God's holy child. Never a false word, never a bad word, never a bad thought, never a bad deed. No sin, a sinless, spotless child. No, not, not any self-servingness about that child. I think that they're using this phrase in their prayer to God the Father, conveying His holiness and conveying His innocence that there was never a child like that child. He never cried. Can you imagine? When Jesus Christ, as a holy child, he never cried out of anger. He never cried out of selfishness. He never fought with, with the other children for the toys. Because he was a holy child. He, he never lied. He, he never sinned. He, he never demanded his own way from a child. And even to this very day. We are so full of sin. That's why we need a Savior. We're so messed up. That's why we need Jesus. This holy child is for us. 
this holy child is because we are not holy and we needed that holy one. And they're acknowledging his holiness. I see something else in that little phrase, verse 27. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. Notice that phrase, thy holy child. Now, maybe at the moment of his birth, Mary may have fought you over that. This is my baby. Probably, probably, br- brother, brother Todd will even have to ask Miss Emily, can I hold her now? <laughs> or, or maybe you, certainly you, you'd have to ask because th- there's just some kind of a bond between a mother and child. This, this, is my, this is my baby. But you know what? Th- th- this is not Mary's baby. Thy, they're addressing God the Father, thy holy child, this is your child. What child is this? It's God's child. It's God's holy child. It's God the Father's. Certainly, uh, she, he, he belonged to Mary. He came forth from her womb. But this is the child of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says in Matthew 1.18. This is God's precious child. Didn't just belong to Mary. You know what? I, I, I it, it didn't just belong to Mary, and I'm glad for that, because not only did this child belong to God, this child can belong to you. This is God's child that can belong to anyone. If you're here this morning, you came on Christmas Day out of some observance. I'm glad you're here this morning. But I hope that you don't leave this building without Jesus Christ being yours. He was wrapped up in in not, not flashy paper and with a bow. But He was wrapped up in flesh as a gift of God to you. To be your holy child. To be the holiness that you need. To be the salvation that you desperately need in your life. He's a reminder that we are not holy, but He is holy. And He is God's child. He's God's choice. You know, when you try to wrap your head around God coming as a child. God God coming to earth as a baby. One said that God, God came to this earth as a child. So that we would know that we could approach him without any threats. You know, nobody's afraid of a baby. <laughs> so that man would know. Look, look, look how precious, look how innocent, look how gentle, look how, look how humble, look how sweet. God's gift to man saying, hey, th- this is me. And you can come to me and, and I'll be gentle with you and, and I'll be, I'll bring sweetness in your life. And I'm not a threat to you. I'm not coming to you as with a club. I'm coming to you as a baby. One that you don't have to be afraid of yet. Now, if you reject that child, there's plenty to be afraid of. But, but the Lord came down to this earth as a child, as our peace offering. He said, Jesus said, I'm not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He came as, as a babe, as God's gift, without threat in the innocence and the sweetness and the gentleness of that. To show man that God's heart for us was real. He's not trying to throw us into hell. 
Though men go into hell every day. He came as a baby in an unfathomable way for us. Thy holy child. They address God the Father about the holy child Jesus in their prayer to convey his holiness, to convey his innocence. But I see another reason. Would you look back in verse 27 with me again? He says in Acts 4, 27, For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. Do you see that? He not only uses, they not only use this phrase, God's holy child. By the way, uh, if you have a King James Bible this morning, you ought to love it up because I couldn't preach this message without a King James Bible today. Because that's not in the, the, the fake Bibles. They don't say holy child Jesus. They say servant. I don't don't harp on this every time we meet, but I'm telling you what, the wonder of your Bible and the truth of your Bible, don't, don't ever let it, it's just one little word, but can you see the big difference between a servant and God's servant and God's child? If you can't see that, then you're blind as a bat. I'm glad I've got a Bible that lets me know that, hey, this this Christ, He wasn't just God's servant. He was God's literal child. But look at the text. It says, for of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. They use this phrase, and God uses this phrase, not only to convey God the, the holiness and the innocence of Jesus, but to expose his enemies. If you will think with me just for a minute. How depraved do you have to be to be against a child? This whole text, he says, this whole text is about how they're fighting against Peter and John and the church and and all the wonderful things the Lord's doing there with God's people. And and the Jews are fighting and the high priests and, and they're all trying to threaten them and trying to hurt them and trying to stop them from preaching in the name of Jesus. And they're against Jesus. And they're you'd think that if anybody got help and got healed, that they would be for that. But they're so against Jesus Christ. They don't, they're not even appreciative and glad for somebody getting help that was born lame. They can't rejoice in that because they're so against Jesus. This world is still so against Jesus. But in this phrase, it shows you the depravity of man. It's against thy holy child. I tell you what, you try to do something with them. To that baby back there, you'd have to go through a whole lot of people to do it. Isn't that right? How wicked are men and women and, and, and human beings to hurt little children? How wicked. It, it was, I mean, if you even go to prison. Listen, if you go to hardened criminals in the jailhouse, in the, in the penitentiary, they don't even smile on people that have harmed little children. You do know that, right? I mean, people that have, that have done all sorts of debauchery and killed others and, and crimes unspeakable. When somebody comes into those walls that's harmed children, they're, because that's so despicable. That's, that's about the lowest of the low. They address God the Father about His holy child, Jesus, 
to reveal and expose the enemies and the sinfulness of man. Guys, listen to me. As soon as he was born, they tried to kill him. Herod's wanting to kill him, but before he can, before he can even get out of, uh, get out of Bethlehem, he wants to destroy him. He doesn't want anything to do with, with this Christ child. He, and he kills all of these, these babies from, and all these children from two years old to death. And the cry goes out because of the hatred against thy holy child. I'm just saying, how depraved must man be that would want to hurt a child? The one that's bringing peace. The one that's bringing joy. Why would you want to fight against a child? Do you see verse number 26 of our text? In Acts chapter 4, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. That started from the cradle and went to His last breath. And the only reason that you don't read about their fighting and their desire to destroy Jesus Christ in the middle part of His life, the majority of His life, was because He lived in obscurity. And if he had not lived in obscurity, they'd want to kill him when he was 10, when he was 12, when he was 15, when he was 22, when he was 25. But he lived in obscurity. Just like you. Doing the will of his father. And that's the only reason they weren't after him because he, he wasn't showing himself to the world. But as soon as he showed himself to the world, it wasn't three and a half years and he was hanging on a cross. Revelation 12, 4 says it like this. They wanted to devour her child as soon as it was born. It just shows really how wicked we all are. And you say, well, preacher, you know, I, I don't have anything against children. And I, I don't have anything against Jesus. But, but we have to stop just a moment. And as we look in verse number 25 of our text, it says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The rage of the heathen, the rage of the sinner, the rage against the church in this text. Listen, these Jews didn't think they were fighting against a child, but they were. Just like when Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus, and he says, So why persecutest thou me? What have I done to you? But if you would ask so, well, I've not done anything to a child. I've not harmed a child. But he was fighting against Jesus, and he was fighting against his church, and he was fighting against his people, which was the same as fighting against thy holy child. And we may stand here and say, Well, I'd never do anything harmful. To a, to a child, I, I'd never hurt anybody like that. I, I wouldn't do anything. But the truth is, your sins and my sins nailed Jesus to a cross. And every day we do anything against the will of God, we're fighting against God's holy child. And we're bankrupt as sinners and we so need Jesus. And it's so easy for sinners, just as these Jews, to look at other sinners, other heathen, and say, well, they have their own problem, while they're fighting against God in their own hearts. And what I'm telling you this morning is that man is a heathen. 
He's a heathen to the point of fighting and persecuting, uh, persecuting uh, the, God's only child. People doing it every day. Our sins do it every day. Thy holy child, Jesus, this prayer conveys his holiness, his innocence. It exposes his enemies, exposes humanity for what we really are. Revelation 12, 13 said they persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Here's the thing. Man as a sinner, he not only hates Jesus Christ, but he hates everything connected with Jesus Christ. You and I as the church, just as in this text, we, were not, we will not go unscathed by a world of sin, sinful heathen people that hates Jesus Christ. They will hate you. If you love Jesus, they'll hate you. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand on the holy child's side. I won't be on his, his side. I belong to him. I see one last thing in our text. God's holy child, it conveys the innocence, the holiness of child. It exposes the enemies, how depraved they must be to fight against a holy child. But I see a third thing. If we look at verse number 30, or excuse me, verse 29, the Bible says, Acts 4.29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. Watch it now. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. What a strange way to pray. God, we pray for the power to do signs and wonders and miracles and to do all these works of healing that were just like was just done in the previous chapter. Oh, God, we need your power and we pray that you would give it to us in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. You know, when you think about a child, you don't really think about power. If you were praying to God for power, would you invoke the weakness, seemingly, of a child? This phrase reveals to us the power of the Lord that even as a child. Guys, listen. Even as a baby. He had more power in his little hand. In his precious tiny fingers. There was more power there than in all the kingdoms of this world. There was more power there than all the military might of society. There was more power there than all the devils of hell could rage and all that men could contrive in their own might. In the power in the hand of that little tiny baby was enough power to create the universe and destroy it. And I'm I'm saying this, if there's that kind of power in the name of a holy child, pray tell what is the power of the full-grown man. Oh, the power of our Savior. All power in the heaven and earth is given unto Him. They came to Him. I was reading my, my Bible this morning and as they came to the garden to arrest him. And you know, Peter took out his sword. He's going to defend Jesus. And he strikes off the ear of 
And Jesus said, well, put up your sword. See, Peter thought Jesus was helpless. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, do you not understand that all I have to do is pray and my father will send me, was it 12 legions of angels? Peter, this is not a helpless situation. This is not a nervous point in my life. I mean, he should have known that because as soon as they approached the Lord and they said, uh, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, you know, where is he? And Jesus said, I'm he. And they fell backward. I mean, if you got enough power, when you tell people who you are, they start falling down like dominoes. You got pretty, you got power. You know what I'm trying to tell you this morning? Guys, the world, the world looks at the holy child Jesus, but they don't see power. They don't see the creator. They don't see, they don't see a savior that has the power to meet their needs and change this li- their lives. You know what this whole text is about? You know why they're so upset? And you know why they're praying to God for help? Because in the name of the holy child Jesus, they passed by the temple in the previous chapter. And as the man was begging, he'd been lame from his mother's womb. That means he had never walked a day in his life as a grown man. And he asked for an alms and they said, Silver and gold have a none, but in the name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he got up and walked. He changed, and that man got up and he started leaping and, and praising God. And they bring Peter and John to the side. They say, what did you do? They said, hey, we didn't do anything. It's, it's the name of that child. It's the power of the one you crucified. Has the power to change your life. To take somebody from begging, amen, to leaping. I don't know what you need this morning on Christmas Day, but I probably believe it's not another present to unwrap. What you probably need is God's holy child that has the power to make lame people walk and broken people whole and lost people saved. And it's all wrapped up in his package. If the child has the power, what does the intercessor, our Savior, that's sitting in his glory this morning. How much power does he have? Turn to two passages and I'll finish this day. Would you go to Luke 2 and Revelation 12? God's holy child. To convey his his innocence, his holiness, to expose the great depravity of his enemies. And to reveal his power. If a child has that power. There is no limit to what the Lord can do through Jesus Christ in his name, by the name of the Lord Jesus, as they said, neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Calling out to that name, 
We're saved in His name. We meet in His name. We worship Him and we we humble ourselves before His name of God's holy child. He said in Luke chapter 2, you know, you know the great Christmas story here, but what I want to point out to you, he said in Luke chapter 2, in verse number 34, when they bring the, the young child into the temple as well, as he gets older, the Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 34, they bring him in for his circumcision eight days after his birth. And when they bring him in, Simeon is there. And this old man begins to bless the Lord as he sees this child. And the Bible says in Luke 2, 34, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child, watch it now, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Would you look at the, ver- the, 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 verse, the words of that verse, please? Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many. Here's the truth. This child has such power that he can make you rise or he can make you fall. Do you see that This little eight-year-old baby will be responsible for your rise or for your fall. The power that he has to control the outcome of all of our lives and all of our eternities. What power? That means that my, my family... My family is at the mercy of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it rises or falls. My life is at the mercy of God's holy child, whether it rises or falls. My life is in the balance of what I'm going to do with God's holy child, of whether my life will rise or whether it will fall. In Revelation chapter 12, much of this is about Israel. It's not about Mary, but we can apply the principles of it. And I just want you to see what's said here. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, in verse number 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. This is not Mary, this is Israel, but that's another time for another, another time. And upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. you got to understand, just like I said, this child was not just Mary's child, this child was God's child. And the Bible also tells us it was he was Israel's child, Romans chapter 9. He, that Israel brought forth Jesus. Travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And he cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Watch it now, watch it. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That same child that they wanted to destroy, that same child was caught up to the throne of God. He's up there this morning. He watches me as I preach. He watches you as you listen. And this same child will come again. Notice the phrase. 
that the child, a man-child who shall rule all nations with a rod of iron. You don't equate a child with ruling with a rod of iron. Can you understand and see His power? God has described the power of Jesus Christ is so immense that all He can say is when He rules and reigns and has His kingdom that He can do it as a, as a child because He's got as much power as a child as there is in all the world. You know what I say this morning? Jesus has all power. He has all holiness. And I say, come, let us adore Him. Amen. We go back there. I can't help it. When you've when you got a three-day-old baby in church on Christmas Day, you've got to mention it. You go back, oh, oh, how sweet. Some of you ladies will hold it and you'll get the fever, you know. Oh. It's easy to adore a baby. Jesus is so much more than that. Why can't we, why can't we adore him? Why can't we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how lovely you, how lovely you are. How wonderful you are. Come let us adore Let's bring him some gifts. We give gifts to other people. Don't leave him out. You say, well, we gave a gift. This, you know the greatest gift you can give the Lord this morning? Anybody can do it this morning. You can give him your heart. You can give him you. Give him yourself. Let's worship him. Let's worship God's holy child. Let's love God's holy child. Let, let's sing, let's sing lullabies of, of, of praise and thanks to this wonderful child, this holy child of Jesus. And I know it sounds strange, but let's submit to this child. You see, that's why I think the world wants to keep Jesus as a baby. They don't, they don't feel they have to submit to a baby. Who would submit to a baby? Yeah, you, but you have to understand the power of this baby. The power of this holy child. Ruling the nations with a rod of iron. And let every heart submit to him. What a wonderful thing this Christmas day. If people would bow their hearts and their wills. To God's holy child and say, Lord, I submit to you. I not only love you, I not only give to you, I not only worship you, I submit my life to you. And I want you to have the power over me.